me Philippians 4 and 13 tonight. Philippians 4 and 13. We will begin something new this evening titled All or Nothing. And this is going to be a message about the possibility of us being able to do all things with Christ, but nothing without Christ. These are his teachings. These are his words. These are the words of the Lord. And the Bible tells us that we can do all things through Christ and that we have access to all things freely with Christ. But we're also told that we can do nothing without him and that we do not have access to anything if we do not accept everything freely. Amen. If we're trying to work for anything, we will not receive it. Everybody understand that? You cannot work for something God has made free to you. That includes salvation and the fullness thereof. Anything. That's why you can't do anything to save yourself. You can't do anything to deliver yourself. And you really can't do anything to make yourself grow. You have to just keep doing what you did the first moment that you believed. And that's trusting in the one who gave his life for you. So we'll start out tonight on what we call the positive side, if you will. Because we don't really like hearing that we can't do anything without Jesus. We don't mind hearing it. But then when we look into its details and what that literally means, absolutely nothing without him. And what without him really means, that's where the the rub comes in. So let's look at Philippians 4 and 13 tonight to begin with because we've been promised that we can do all things through Christ. But it takes his strength for us to do it. And that's what we read here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I must be being strengthened by Christ, meaning his spirit, to do all things. All things does not mean anything fleshly. All things does not mean I can jump off a mountain and expect God to give me wings to fly to the bottom. All things means all of God's will. That's what that's that's what that He will He won't strengthen me to do anything else but His will. Amen. Amen. Because there is a scripture I don't have it here tonight, but you'll know it's in the Bible because uh, it says that He strengthens our inner man. It's the inner man He strengthens. So when the Bible tells us that. We can do all things. That means all of God's will. But it's got to be through Christ because there's only, the strength we need is only found in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach before about, and I ministered a little bit of this Sunday morning, and it always shocks the congregation when they've never heard anything like this. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 4 that we are weak in Christ. We are weak in Him, 
But Paul wrote to Timothy and said that we can be strong that's in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So it takes the grace of God is the strength of God. When we were without strength, he commended his love toward us. When we were without strength, meaning when we couldn't save ourselves. So us doing all things through Christ, which strengthens us, is our hearts remaining yielded to that place where the strength comes from, which is the grace of God, the spirit of grace, the spirit of God. Now, I wish all pre- preachers would teach on what we heard last Wednesday night about grace being the spirit of grace, the spirit of God. You don't, we don't hear that enough. And because we don't, the church is confused about what grace is. Grace is not just some power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Grace is the spirit of grace doing something in your life. And in the context of this verse, the spirit of grace through Christ carries out all the will of God. I can preach and I can teach because I'm called to do it through Christ which will strengthen me. I can be a husband and a father to my children and grandchildren because God has given me those things to function in and I need His strength to function in those things. But His strength only comes to me through Christ. Through Christ always refers to the cross. It never never means that we just imagine in our minds that we're going to do something through Christ. Through Christ means His work. The cross of Christ is the through to God you have access to and His access to you to do all that He does. There is no other through to God or God through to you except the death of Jesus. And it's not just because we were saved through the cross of Christ, but it's everything we experience by God will be through our faith in the cross of Christ. Or it won't be the experience of what we're calling God. Because we're only strengthened through Christ. All things, if you're called to do something by God, you can do it through Christ who will strengthen you to do it. It's a, it's a guarantee that you don't have to fear, although you, you'll be fearful, but you don't have to fear that it's not going to come to pass because He has promised you that you can do all things. Now, this is pertaining to His will. You can do all things. You can be a good husband. You can be a good wife. You can be a good mother, a good father. You can be a good pastor. You can be a good praise and worship leader. You can be a good... You, whatever God has put before you to be a good steward of, he's promised that you can do it through Christ who will strengthen you. But we have to learn that it's only through Christ, meaning our faith in what he did at Calvary, that brings the strength we need. Because the strength is only found in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Outside of grace, even though we're in Christ, we're weak in him. The grace of God that is His strength made perfect in our weakness is the grace of God. That's the grace of God. And that only happens through our faith in what Jesus did at Calvary. Now there's a lot of Christians that don't think they have to have a moment-by-moment faith in the sacrifice 
but those are a lot of wishy-washy, roller coaster, in and out, up and down, double-minded, confused, living in fear, not ever seeing the breakthrough they need. When you make your mind up and you come to the conclusion that every moment of your life, the fight, the good fight of faith you're fighting is to maintain moment by moment a, a yielded heart to the sacrifice of Christ. Right. Amen. We, I'll, I'll go ahead and share this with you tonight. We were riding to Palestine Saturday, and on the drive down there, the Lord just spoke to my heart. And he told me, literally spoke to my heart, and he told me, of course, I started giving Robin an earful then, but he told me, when I gave you the measure of faith, it came with its object. Yes, amen. Don't you think about that. When I gave you the measure of faith, it came with the object. It won't work when it's not in that object. And he began to expound to me about how we talk about when we have our faith in the wrong object. It's really not faith in the wrong object. It's just flesh. Because there's only one faith. And when you were given that measure, it came with its object. And it won't work without that object. You want to hear more of that, tune in. Tomorrow, probably sometime, I'll have it posted. I'll do part three of my overflow concerning one faith. One faith. One object. And tomorrow, at some point, it'll be one avenue. It's really a blessing. So, think about that. When God gave you the measure of faith, it came with its object. Christ crucified. Mm, That's powerful. That's powerful. Philippians 4.13 again, I can do how many things? A few things? No, all things. Through Christ. Remember, I'm crucified with Him. Yet I live, but it's not me any longer. It's Christ now living in me. Now the life I live in this, now the life I live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So, number one tonight, we can do all things through Christ which will strengthen me. Romans 8.32, number two. Robin's favorite verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now notice the phrase here, with him, and the previous verse, through him, through Christ, they're one and the same thing. You were crucified with Him. It's your only avenue of receiving all things freely. Amen. When He saved you without cost to you, He paid the cost. It's through the the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, that is what purchased us. It's the only purchase God accepts. Amen. And so here we're told that we, with Him, are also we we will we can freely receive all things. How shall he not with him 
That means your faith in His sacrifice. Also freely give us all things. Now first of all we saw we can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And now we see that with Him that we can freely receive all things. Freely though. If I'm being taught I have to do something to get something, if I have to work to receive, then I'll never receive what God's offering me because it's free. It can't be works and grace. Grace is the work of Christ at Calvary, making everything now free unto me. And if I'm trying to work for it, if a preacher tells me I give $1,000 and God will pay my bills by next Friday, he's a liar. I'm not being ugly. He's lying. He may be ignorant or whatever, but he's, he's a liar. That God, God don't work in that. Some of you looking at me funny. Is that not a lie? That's a lie. I mean, if that were the truth, would none of us have no bills? Because we'd give that $1,000, and next week we'd be, well, they call it debt free. <laughs> but that ain't how it works. That's not how it works. But I wanted to start out with this, and I'm not through with this first session yet. I don't think we understand, none of us do really fully, but we need to be increasing in our understanding that we can do all things. There's no hindrance there from us doing all things if it's Christ strengthening us. And we are, of all people in these last days, in a cross-preaching church, should be found involved in these doing all things more than anybody in the whole church. Anywhere. Because we've learned the sphere where God works and He don't work outside of it. Doesn't work. The Bible says in Galatians 6.14, you know what that verse says, God forbid you boast anything but the cross. Then two or three couple verses down after that, He says, as many as be of this rule, that rule. And that word rule means sphere, boundary, as many as are found according to this, in this boundary, in this fear, this, those boasting in the cross alone, those are the ones that are going to experience all things through Christ giving them strength. They're the ones that are going to be experiencing with our, with our Savior, freely God giving us all things. The Bible says, I believe it's Psalms 84, 11, that He will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly before him and we know what that upright before him means scripturally because here we go again back to Antioch Paul said when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel amen so God will not withhold any good thing when we're walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel Amen. That's what upright is. It's not having the, the best job and the nicest suit and the best speaking ability. It's simply having your faith in the sacrifice of Christ. That's what it is. And nothing else. No mixture. And when your faith is working because you're exercising that measure in that one object, then you're walking uprightly before the Lord and He's not withholding anything. If the Lord will not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly before Him, then that means He is unleashing an abundance of good things on their lives. Are you recognizing what they are? 
Are you recognizing what they are? There's so many we can't name. In spite of all the bad news, there's a whole lot more good news. In, in spite of the, the world being in its chaotic state, and even sometimes our own lives being in a chaotic state, there's more good things to talk about than there is bad if you're a child of God. Amen. Amen. Count your many blessings. Hallelujah. Count them one by one. But you better quit when it's time to go to bed or you won't be going to sleep. Because they are innumerable. Amen. Number three, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Just to put a little icing on this last part of the cake about all things being freely given to us with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Now notice here, when, when Paul writes, we, we, we have not received the spirit of the world. Notice what's being said here. The spirit of the world is, you've got to work if, you, if God don't give you anything. That's what, that's what the God of this world will teach you. That's what all other gods that are not gods will teach you. That you've got to work to get something from God. That you have to do something to appease God. Jesus is the only one that did what it took to appease the one true God. And to remove the wrath toward men. But understand this. Let me read it again. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. But the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us. See, there's a contrast here. The spirit of the world got to work for what they get. Even in the religious realms. But we've not received that spirit. We've received the spirit of God that tells us. And it says that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Because we have the Spirit of God, we can now know the things that we have free access to. Amen. You ain't got to beg God for grace and mercy or His love. You, you don't have to even beg God for His forgiveness. They're all yours. You, you, you ask God to forgive you, and rightly so, when you mess up, but you're not begging Him, trying to talk Him into it. If you look to Christ and what He did to Calvary with a yielded heart, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. And, 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 and your, your fellowship is not hindered. Aren't you glad that when you ask the Lord to forgive you, that He's not saying, well, no, you're going to suffer for a week for that now. Well, that's what we do. Now you deserve to... I'm going to cripple your leg, son, for that. <laughs> that's, and that's the way we think. But the Spirit of God tells us and makes known to us the things that are freely given to us. But they're free. Amen? So, what we've seen so far tonight is that we can do all things through Christ and we have been given all things freely with Him. But with Him means that our faith is in His sacrifice. That's what with Him means. I said it again this week in Palestine. So you always get a shocked look on Christians' faces when you say things like, what did the woman with the issue of blood, what she got to do with you? What she got to do with you? And I know the 
correct response by anybody would be, well, Jesus will do for me what he did for her. Okay, but you can't touch the hem of his garment. Your touch on Jesus is a yielded heart to his sacrifice. Everything outside of that is make-believe vain imagination. He's not here walking around that we might run and grab the hem of his garment. Amen. He's at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. But the way we touch Him is through a yielded heart to His sacrifice. You're, tu you're touching Him while you're trusting in what He did at Calvary. That's why we preach and teach moment by moment. <coughs> Amen. So now let's get over to what some might call the negative part of this message. But it's not negative really because there's nothing negative about what Jesus taught. John chapter 15 very familiar. Let's just read starting in verse 1 down to verse 5. Because the context needs to be seen here. A lot, of, a lot of people and anybody could read this and get it very easily out of context. The context of what we're about to read is fruit bearing. That's the teaching of Jesus here. Fruit bearing. And Romans chapter 7 says that we are now married to one who is risen from the dead that we might bear fruit. Fruit bearing is, is, is mandatory. Fruit bearing is mandatory. It's not an option. Fruit bearing is not an option. If it were an option, then Peter would never wrote things very scary like it's better that you never knew the way of... A righteousness than after you having known it turn away from the holy commandments. I mean, we wouldn't need scriptures like that. Fruit bearing is mandatory. And that's why we should, we should be heartbroken when we're not bearing fruit like we should be bearing fruit. It should break our hearts. Amen. It shouldn't just be, well, whatever, God's mercy, you know, hallelujah. No, it should break our hearts. Amen. And the closer we walk with Him, the more we want to be pleasing to Him. Amen. So this, what Jesus is teaching here in John 15 is about bearing fruit. So let's read it. I am the true vine, and when Jesus says true anything, it's because there is many false things. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me Everybody say, I'm a, I'm a branch in Him. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Could we possibly, and I didn't think about this before right now, could, but could we possibly think about Job 7 and 18 right now, where Job says, He tries me every moment. <coughs> you know, that's not a negative thing. That's a positive thing. I mean, we're the vineyard of the Lord. Are we not? We're the wheat crop of the Lord. And He's tending to His crop. Don't you know He's, he's a wonderful shepherd? He's a, he's a wonderful uh, uh, vineyard keeper. He, he comes by. I believe it with all my heart. I believe He tends to each stalk of wheat. I'm talking about each one of us. All over the world. I mean, he examines it. He, 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 he examines all of us. And listen, he, he examines us every moment. 
Just, to, just imagine this, if you had one plant and you just, you just wanted it to grow and flourish and, and bring forth fruit and, and bring forth the, 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 be the, you know, produce the fruit, the very reason you planted it, you, you, just, you just baby it and you water it and you, you watch it and you just watch it grow. And I believe our shepherd's like that. I believe he loves us to that degree. I believe he's there. I believe that plays a part in... The, the, him trying us every moment, him him touching us, tending to us every moment, watering us, uh, cultivating the ground around us, talking about what he's doing in the heart. Hallelujah. So that that's purging. He's tending to us. Sometimes there's things that pop out. What's what's those things on tomato plants that pop out? And they say suckers. My Lord, I've had lots of suckers in my life. And, and we don't like it when them suckers get plucked off. <laughs> but that's purging. He, he takes away those things that are hindering growth in your life as the branch. He says, now you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me. That's, a, that's one of the most powerful statements a Christian could ever see in the Bible. <clears throat> because abide means remain, continue. In me. And we see things in the New Covenant Church, just like we saw in the Old Covenant Church, that people did not remain in Him. They did not remain. Many, even under the New Covenant, would be called dead, uh, and, and other warnings would come uh, to them uh, that if they don't get back, if they don't repent and return to the place they received and heard, if, if they don't overcome in that matter, Revelation chapter 3 that their names could be blotted out of the Lamb's book of life. Think about that. That's that's very alarming. And so when you read things such as abide in me and I in you, that's talking about you continue in me and let me continue in you. I am crucified, yet I live, but not me any longer. Now it's Jesus living in me. And the life I live now in this flesh pot, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Continue in me and let me continue in you. I can do all things through Christ abiding in me. I can do all things through abiding in him because he's abiding in me. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Get that now. I'm a branch. I can't bear fruit by myself. I can't bear fruit by myself. As a branch, I have to be in the vine. That means my faith has to be in the vine. And the power and the life source that's found in the vine is from his death. It's such a beautiful picture. I've said it shortly a time or two before, but Jesus is the promised seed of the woman. And he taught that he would be alone until he was planted in death. And Jesus is all things to us. He is the full picture of all of the prophetic words of redemption. He is the seed of the woman born of a virgin, planted in death, becoming the root of Jesse that would 
grow up into the branch of righteousness. He is the whole gamut, if you will, of our redemption. From the seed to the root to the branch that grows out of righteousness. So we're grafted in as a branch into him as the true vine. There is no life that comes from any place other than the true vine that was planted in dry ground, out of dry ground, the Bible says. The root of Jesse. Dry ground. You know what that means, dry ground? That's spiritually talking. That's not talking about just dry dirt. That's talking about Israel was a dry nation and dead. Really, the whole world. No, no, nothing men could do. We had nothing among us that we could that we could find within ourselves to save ourselves. We could do nothing. We were dry ground, dead, barren. And Jesus, as the seed of the woman planted in death, again, the roots of Jesse, the root of Jesse sprouted out of that death. And out of those roots, through that seed that died, the true vine comes forth. And all believers are grafted into as branches into that true vine. And there is no life outside of faith in the sacrifice of Christ. Life spiritually never begins without faith there. And it does not continue without faith there. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Abide in Remain, continue in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. Abide, continue, remain. Amen. And we know it's a possibility for us not to walk in Christ just because we're in Christ. That's why we're told in Colossians 2.6 what that means. As you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk ye. In him. If you live in the Spirit, then walk in the Spirit. But you don't have to. Everything about Christianity, even for the Christian, is only a potential based on our abiding in Him. To remain and to continue where we started is faith in the sacrifice. Abide in that. Because your faith won't work for you in nothing else. Where does faith come from? We like quoting that scripture, don't we? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But where does it come from? It comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But where does it come from? Where did it come from the first time? It came from the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the book of Revelation, I believe it's chapter 14, it says that this is the patience of the saints that they've kept the faith of Jesus. You were given the faith of Jesus. The faith that came by hearing is the faith of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Hmm. Okay, here we go. Verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
He that abides in me, continues, remains in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Because without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. This literally means nothing. Without him, I can do nothing. This statement by our Lord is made concerning fruit bearing and that fruit being fruit from our abiding in Him. If abiding in Him was an automatic thing that takes place without our active participation by faith, we wouldn't need to have been given these words. We wouldn't need to have been told this. Every, I, you know, Andrew, and I probably told you this already, but Andrew several weeks ago told me, Dad, I believe... Christians just think God's working in their lives even when they're not participating by faith. They, 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 really, they really don't understand that God's not doing anything unless their faith is in Christ and what he did at Calvary. I mean, you talk to Christians and you'll see. I mean, they, they think that God's doing this and God's going to do that and God's going to do all these things. But without faith, grace has no place to function. And if it's God, it's grace. Hmm. So, I don't know how long this message will last as far as how many times I'll minister down this avenue. But tonight I want to give you a couple of scriptures concerning just a couple of focal points about what we can't do without Him. Nothing. Nothing. If Jesus is not involved in what's being done, it's not of God. And he's not involved because I use his name. He's involved if his Holy Spirit is working through my faith found in what allows him to work in my life. And that's not me speaking. Faith, the Bible says, the spirit of faith in 2 Corinthians 4.13 calls the spirit of faith is on this wise that we have believed then we have spoken. We don't speak to believe. We speak because we're believing. If it's ever the other way around, then you're believing in yourself. So the first one tonight is this, that we cannot even believe in God without Jesus. Nobody, this man we were having lunch with Sunday afternoon, I, he was at the table with me and Pastor Clinton and uh, their drummer. And uh, he was talking, he, he told us that he, he met a man that said he believed in Jesus, but he didn't believe in God. <laughs> I'm like, I, I really, I just sat there because I couldn't, I didn't have nothing to say. <laughs> but if you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. And if, if, you, and if you don't know Jesus is God, you still don't know Jesus. Because only God could save us. We can't save ourselves. So whoever saved us, Jesus, had to come from somewhere else because nobody on the planet could save us. Amen. So we, number one here, we can't even believe in God and our faith is not real without Jesus. 
and I'm going to read the scripture to you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. And this is talking about Jesus. Who by him, talking about Christ, do we believe in God? Who by him do believe in We can't even believe in God if we ain't believing in Jesus. <coughs> that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. We can't even trust in God. We can say God. We can talk about some God. We can even talk about God, the God of the Bible, look in here and find some things to say. But if Jesus is not involved, we don't know what we're talking about. Whatever Jesus is not a part of is not of God. Nothing. That's why it's good for him to be in the middle of your marriage. Because if he's not, woo-wee. Yeah, y'all know it, don't you? I tell you. You do know him, and you still sometimes. Amen. We know Jesus. He's the man in the middle. We got three in this marriage. Jesus is in the middle. Hallelujah. And sometimes, sometimes in those moments, everybody say moments. Sometimes in those moments where I'm not abiding in him, you can show can it. Rob, watch it now. She said, Amen. Better watch it. Y'all know what I mean? We're abiding in Christ. We are. We're continuing on. Not, not just because we say we are, because we keep our faith in what he did at Calvary. That's the only, that's the only place. That's the only avenue of experiencing Jesus. People can praise God all night. That don't mean they experience in him if their faith is not in the sacrifice. I don't care what kind of music, how long you sing, what kind of tears you cry, how much you roll in the floor. If your faith is not in Jesus, you're not even functioning by Bible faith. Because when God gave you that measure of faith, it came with its object and it won't work without it. It won't work without it. it it's not faith if it's not faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So who by Him do believe in God? See, the, the point of us being saved is to get to God. To get back in the relationship God created us to have in the beginning with Him. It's been severed, my friends. It's been severed. But Jesus came back and sealed it up and told us He's the way, the truth, and the life and no man comes to the Father except by Him. And He's talking about by the way of the cross. So we can't even believe in God. We can't have no faith and hope in God unless it's through Christ. And the, and, and the last one is, we, we can't, and we already said it once, but we can't have faith. And this is, we've already quoted this scripture three or four times, like Galatians 2.20. But we can't have faith unless it's the faith of Christ. There's not two. It's not the faith of Curtis. You know every time Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has healed you. You know why Jesus called it their faith? Because they came to him to get him to do something for them through his faith. They touched him. You've got to touch his faith or you ain't operating by faith. 
You've got, when they came to Jesus, it's because he was doing what he was doing by hearing his father telling him to do it by faith. And they came to him and they believed in him. And he, they asked him to heal them and he healed them. And, and he said, your faith, he called it your faith because it touched his faith. Because you ain't got nothing that ain't his. If he says your faith, he's talking about his faith and your participation in his faith. There's not your faith and his faith. There's his faith. There's how many? One faith. There's not your faith, but then there's the faith. My faith is messed up. Jesus' faith is perfect. No, you got the measure of his perfect faith. Amen. Ain't your faith in his faith. Your faith is his faith. Or your faith ain't real. Amen. Galatians 2.20. My goodness, I can't ever read this Bible verse enough. I am crucified with Christ. Doesn't say I was. Doesn't say I will be. Says I am. Crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Uh Uh-oh, but it ain't me. It's Christ now living in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. And here it's written just like it's supposed to be. So if you've got a translation that says, I live by faith in the Son of God, that's true also if you understand in the Son of God means what He did at Calvary. And the proof of that is what it says. He did by faith. He loved us by faith and He gave Himself for us by faith. It's what he did by faith. It's what he did by faith. By grace through faith. And that's the faith we live by. That's that's how we live. We can't live. Paul said in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ. If the fruit of what's happening is not Christ, I'm not living spiritually. Wait a minute now, brother. That can't be true because you don't have any moments of my day don't have the fruit of Christ in it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Maybe that comes to a shock. If the fruit of what's happening in my life is not Christ, then it's not life. Amen. So the last one I quoted to you already, but here's the specific place it's located. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they. Everybody say they. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. You were given the faith of Jesus. The measure of that faith. You were given the measure of his faith. And you're to keep it. That don't mean put it in your back pocket. Well, I still got it. Hallelujah. Now, keep it means exercise it. Because exercising it is what allows you to keep the commandments of God. So you can't do nothing except faith. Everything's by grace through faith or it's not God. It's not not a relationship. It's not fellowship. And it's not faith and grace if it's not a heart yielded to what the heart yielded to the first time it ever yielded. Amen. I said something else. Robin caught up on fire up in there this weekend out in Palestine. Before I could even get seated after church on the front row, she said, Ooh. You you said, 
You can't, if your surrender is not Christ's surrender, it ain't real surrender. Think about it. You ain't got nothing. It ain't Jesus first. If my surrender to God is not faith in his surrender, I ain't surrendered. And that right there is why some people say, I tried the cross. It didn't work for me. Because they, all they got was the theology out of it. But the moment you stop applying this to a yielded heart, the moment it just goes back to nothing but words and theology is the moment you get in trouble. The moment I stop reckoning myself to be dead indeed to the sin nature and alive to God is when it goes back to nothing but theology. Oh yeah, I know what's right. I can tell it to you. But what God's looking for is the application of it. Because only out of that can come life and fruit. So we can do nothing. We can't believe in God. We can't walk with God. We, can't, we don't even have proper faith. As a Christian, we've been given the measure of faith. And as long as we keep our heart yielded to the very thing that gave us the measure of faith, then it'll, it'll be found being exercised. Exercised faith with fruit. And maybe we'll go on with this, maybe not. But there's... Because... Jesus just pretty much nailed it when he said nothing. But sometimes we need to look at these things. You, you, you can't believe without Jesus. If he's not involved, it's not of God. Everybody understand that? If it's not, and that's why if Jesus is not a part of our message, I don't care what we're preaching out of the Bible, God can't do nothing if Jesus is not in it. You can do nothing without me. That means you can't preach if it ain't me. You can't receive if it's not me. You can't be saved if it's not by me. You can't walk was a song. I can't even walk unless you hold in my hand. That's a, that's a great song. That's true. But it's more than some imagination about him holding my hand. He took my hand when I yielded my heart to what he did on the cross. And there, in that faith alone, will he guide me alone. But we need to remember these things that it's, it's either all things or it's nothing. With Jesus, it's all things because he will strengthen us. But his strength comes to us through that work which he carried out at Calvary. See, that work is, remember, he tasted death by the grace of God and it's only the grace of God that, we're, that we find strength in Christ. Think about this. You're in Christ, but you, but you still got to have grace to be strengthened in Him. You got to function. Just because we're in Him does not mean we're going to get it all right now. It still takes the grace that's found, Paul told Timothy, the grace that's found in Christ Jesus. It's the grace that's in Christ Jesus is the same faith, is the same grace by which you were saved. You're in Christ, but you're weak in Him. That's why you got to continue to have faith in what He did for you on the cross so that you can function by that grace because that is His avenue of strengthening you to do all things. There's people that have told me through the years, I know God's called me to do that and I never did it and I've wasted my whole life. Well, 
You know what? Whatever God's called you to do, if you'll believe him, he'll do it through you. Amen? I mean, if God's called you to do something, then you can do that if you know what it means for him to strengthen you. If you don't, then you might live the rest of your life in fear and never do what God's called you to do. And I do believe that there's been many men and women who never did what God called them to do because fear kept them from it because they didn't know this sanctifying avenue of power and strength that comes through the cross alone. Amen. Their whole lives. But, but it's never too late, amen. Some people finally receive the calling when they're 50 and 60. I've heard it told many times. My daddy didn't start preaching until he was 50. You know, and I thought, well, I'm sure God called him before that. I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> but whatever God's called you to do, you can do it through Christ who strengthens you. But you gotta be, you got to remain in him. you got to abide in him. You have to keep trusting in him. Because without faith in the sacrifice, your faith won't work. And whatever he's called you to do has to be done by faith. It can't be done by your own strength. And that's another thing. When God calls you to do something, he doesn't give us things to do that we can do by ourselves. He doesn't call us to do anything that we can do by ourselves. We can't do anything without him. You see that side of it? I can't do anything without him. If I try to, I might have a good show, but it'll be nothing but the flesh. And there's a lot of people who can get up and put on a lively show in the flesh with great swelling words, but it's not the Spirit of God. How do I know it's the Spirit of God? Because Christ is being magnified through what he did at Calvary. Christ is being magnified through what he did at Calvary. If that's not it, I ain't listening to you. I'm not listening to you. If Christ is not being magnified through your faith in what he did at Calvary. And think about what I said earlier. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it only comes from the same place it came when you received it the first time. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that in the days ahead, praise the Lord. Would you stand with me tonight? Nothing God's called you to do that you can't do, but it'll be by his grace.